Hey everybody and welcome to the show. Uh, my name is Kevin Ham. I'm your host and I am joined today by um, a guest we've had before. Welcome back, Jesse Laslovich. Thank you, Kevin. Glad to be back. And uh, so I got to ask, have you caught up on your sleep yet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, yes. I wish I hadn't caught up on oh. my sleep, but uh, it's been good. The, uh, my wife and kid and I, we um, became a family again for, because for a year it was... Uh, me being gone on the road all of the time, and and that's frustrating. It weighs right. on a and and your family. kid's what three? He's three, he turned three in July, ah. so um, started preschool in August, uh, oh, wow. and it's great to be able to be a part of um, his life more than I was during the the primary campaign. My wife is. I think happier, but also kind of like me being away too. Uh, so, um, it cuts both ways there. But no, it's it's been uh, great. It, um, we've had a great summer. Well, nice. So uh, I can't imagine what it's like to be on the campaign with a family. I mean, I don't have a family of my own, and and you know, I've thought about running, and I'm like, oh, I don't like people that much. <laughs> it's uh, it's really hard. I mean, I um, I gained a new found respect for people who run for a statewide office, particularly and particularly in a a state like Montana that's so big, um, right. and you and when you have young, we have just one son, and um, and he's totally dependent on you. It's and and we're taking him to daycare during the campaign and started preschool in August. But you're trying to get him to daycare. My wife works full time. I work full time in addition to the the campaign. But it's truly a, a team effort. I say right. to people. The burden wasn't on me; it was on my wife because she um, she was taking care of Cooper, uh, our son, in addition to doing campaign stuff, and in addition uh, working full time as a lawyer, which um, is hard. Wait, so you and your wife are both lawyers? Yeah, we're both lawyers. Oh, your kid yeah. is doomed. <laughs> yes, yes. We, uh, we're, we we've decided that we're going to brainwash him, make sure that he doesn't go to law school. He can do something that's a little more fun. Than I think the law. way I think the way that you do that is like Kelson uh, Kelson Young. Yeah. His, her uh, dad was a lawyer, apparently, and whenever she got in trouble, she had to prepare a defense. <laughs> well, what's really sad, and we're learning as Cooper gets older. He's, he negotiates with us, and he's actually actually does it pretty well. I don't know if he gets it from Jill and me, but um, he will uh, if if we're bedtime, for example, or watching. He'll he'll want to watch a cartoon or a movie, and we'll say no. And then he'll he'll he actually is really smart. He asks for a lot, then he, we say no. Then he'll ask for just a little bit, and. Then you feel like okay, we're compromising, and for a three-year-old, it's pretty impressive. So okay, so I maybe understand. you're doomed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can understand. Fourteen, he'll Kelsey's. be like, look, everybody else when you were in school got their driver's license at this age. I should be driving. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, no kidding. No, he's he's a a great kid, and um, there's nothing more rewarding than being a parent, Kevin. Really, that's cool. Um, so you got done with the campaign, um, and that's got to be tough to, to go into a, um, a contested primary. And this is the first time that you're going to be dealing with uh, not being part of the legislative process directly, correct? Well, last session... Since you were in high school. Yeah, well, last session I wasn't in the legislature because um, I resigned in 2010, but I was still... Uh, working with the legislature, working for Monica Lindine. So right. I was her legislative um, liaison uh, to the legislature, which was very frustrating. But this is um, the first time since 2000 when I initially ran where, and it's aside from the fact when I was in the state Senate, it's a four-year term, so you're not on the ballot every two years, but that um, I won't be a part of the 
the general election, either as a candidate or as someone who's currently holding office, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Um, um, and that's going to be a, an interesting position to be in. Yeah, interesting. Um, in a way, refreshing, which <laughs> is um, a weird thing to say. I love politics and, and the, I don't know, the, the opportunity to have a say in public policy uh, is important. I'll still be able to do that working for Monica, which is great, assuming that she's uh, reelected. <laughs> but um, it, it's yeah, it is interesting. I the last legislative session was extraordinarily frustrating, and um, I'm optimistic that it'll be better this legislative session. But no, uh, me too. I me too. I just <laughs> I, I frankly don't know how it gets any worse. Um, um, I've learned, I learned a long time ago in my life not to challenge worse yeah. <laughs> because for some reason that sneaky bugger can come up with something. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm hopeful that it'll be better too. I still think, you know, what's funny is that I've, I've looked at the races and I've seen, uh, you get a good idea of who's winning, even though we don't have polls, you have a good idea of who's being talked about, who people are, are impressed with, who people aren't impressed with. Um, Facebook and Twitter seem to be a good measure for people under the age of 40. Polls seem to be a great measure for people over the age of 40. Um, we don't have a lot of polls in Montana in the smaller races, but you do kind of get a good idea of who's coming back. Right. Um, there are a lot of people who I never want to see in town again. <laughs> <laughs> Make two of us. Um, one of them is actually running against Monica. Ugh, if I never have to see Derek, it'll be a great day. You know, it's really frustrating. Um, uh, I, of course, am very biased, but you see the kind of work that Monica does on a daily basis and how she... Um, puts her job first over politics, over anything else. Well, and, it has to, that's, um, that's what that role is. Right. And, and then you have someone who's, uh, running against her and, um, you know, stands for the proposition that the state can nullify federal laws. And, uh, that at one point that our office regulated taxes, which we have nothing to do with, uh, taxes, uh, stood before the, <laughs> Montana Chamber of Commerce and said that the securities regulation role of our office is significantly limited, uh, which is um, outright isn't, false. Isn't that what the office is? Yeah, securities <laughs> and insurance. Uh, like, and, and that's the first one. It's not the second one. Yeah, uh, it, it's just really uh, frustrating. It, it's an utter lack of understanding uh, of the office. And it's um, frankly scary. Uh, it's someone who will get I my, my guess is at least 40 percent of the vote uh in in the election in a few weeks and we hope that it's not a majority that seems really high well and, and you know the whole thing is is i've met several republicans um you know growing up in a republican household and dealing with them pretty much daily um they're not impressed with them either so i think well, that people really don't high. know people people don't know them and i guess i say that and we'll see i hope i'm wrong but um in Montana, as you know, uh, I think we lean right, and I shouldn't say we, that the state um, leans right, whether it's um, uh, moderately or extremely, and then you have folks who are on our, who, for me anyway, who... Uh, oh, I, I, I make left. no qualms about my yeah, political okay, very good. What's really funny about the show is that I've worked really hard to make sure that this show is not about, you know, spe specifically about political bias. I mean, I have my own because I'm human, but... Right. Um, but yeah, everybody has their own direction that they lean. And I think that it's tough when you're left with how do you get to know these people? But Derek especially has been very vocal and and crazy. And there's no I, nice way to put it, but he's I, been I would, crazy. I, I guess the point I would make is that 
he has an R next to his name. And by oh. having an R next to his name um, in this election year where you have Romney, who is going to do very well in Montana compared to the president, which is um, uh, frustrating. And um, and I think there's that trickle uh, down effect. And the, the only other point uh, that I'll make in support of the 40 percent, even though I hope it's not he doesn't get 40 percent. Um, is that people don't know him. I mean, there you have people like you and I and others who follow the legislature and sort of follow all the races. Right. But I'll, I'll tell you, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to in the last few months who, one, don't know who, who he is um, or that Monica uh, has an opponent. And it's scary when you think about people who walk into the voting booth for the first time or get their absentee ballot and are just simply going to vote. Republican. I talked right. to a friend of mine the other day, in fact, who said, I voted for Derek Skies. You're like, uh, you're no longer I, a friend. <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe it. I said, you know that I work for Monica. How can you, how can you do that? It's a Republican. It's a Republican year. And he said, in four years, if things are still bad, I'll vote for all Democrats, which I find to be, you know, disingenuous. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the old, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, British Prime Minister in World War Two. Okay. Um, See exactly. This is how. This is what a Montana education uh, gets you. Twenty years later, you forget everything. Winston Churchill. That's Churchill, it. Thank you. Yes. Um, his his great quote. You know, the one thing that'll convince you to never live in a democracy is to speak to one of the voters or something like that. Right. <laughs> it's, and it's true. You know, if you're not going to be educated, don't vote. Just just stay at home and yeah. and and watch some Honey Boo Boo. Right. right. <laughs> and and we'll take care of it right. for you. Oof. I just hope that. Um, that people uh, at least take the time to uh, inform themselves, not just on this race and all the races, because I'm convinced that once they do, they'll vote the right way. Well, one would hope so. Um, <laughs> so we've got a lot of interesting races that have been going on. Um, I keep trying to have, actually, it's funny, because I've had Pam on the show, I had you on the show, and I keep trying to have Tim Fox, who was the presumptive on the Republican side. Uh, we keep trying to have him on, but he has decided to, he has declined to be on the show. But he's not just declined to be on my show, which I can kind of understand, because the show's new and it's just me, and it's just on the web, and, and he's over 40, so he doesn't necessarily get the web. <laughs> um, but he's also declined to talk to... Uh, pretty much every bit of the media. He wasn't on anything that happened at Beartooth NBC. In fact, they had to mention that, you know, we did have a spot for him. He decided not to show up after agreeing to it, which was weird. Um, they, <laughs> he won't do debates with Pam, which, okay, let's go, let's back up. Cause you, you didn't really debate to Pam, but you did uh, candidate forums with him and, right. and tried to, you know, stress the differences and the similarities right. between the two of you. And that's gotta be tough because you're both on the same side. You both have a lot of things that you agree on. Right. And you've got to find these little tiny nitpicky things that you disagree on or that you think you're better at than she is. And you know, that can't be fun. It's awful. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I think people say that primaries, um, are healthy and there's some truth to that, but they're also very unhealthy and they're unhealthy because you end up with situations as was the case in my opinion with Pam and me, um, where we both respect one another and like one another. We worked with one another when I was in the legislature and she was in the attorney general's office. Um, and we, as you say, and as was evident during the campaign, agree on mostly everything. There were some uh, policy differences, but subtle ones. Right. Um, but there have to and, be your different people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so 
what happens is it, be, it becomes very personal. And camp, campaigns, I think, inherently are personal. I think it's heightened in a primary. So you're not just you're not focusing on policy differences, right? You're focusing on personal differences, and then that's just not with the candidates. It become it it uh, um, I don't want to say trickle down, but it it also is uh, no, encompassed with your supporters. Yeah, that's that's, um, a, that's one place the trickle down theory actually and, works. Yeah, it's and, and so you have you create these divisions, and I'll tell you, uh, just be completely honest with you, Kevin. This. Um, they're scars. You'll have permanent scars from the primary. I will have permanent scars, not from Pam, but some of the supporters and things that were said, some awful things that were said. And um, they're things that that are unfortunate in a in a primary. But that that's neither here nor there. Pam's the nominee. She should be the next attorney general. She'll be a great uh, attorney general. And that's what makes it hard because you you're you're not just in a primary against someone who is. Um, who is not fit for the job, and, right. and you're you're against someone that you respect and like, and someone who is fit for the job. You just want the job uh, <laughs> as well. But to your point about the don't worry, you're young. I think you'll get there. Yeah, I, know. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, I, I tell people, you know, people, a lot of people, including Pam, have criticized that I was too young and and continue to criticize it. But uh, I can deal with that every day as we as as we move into the future. Although I've also joked to people, I don't know if if I will. Uh, you never want to say never, but you um, it's hard after you go through that arduous process and think, well, yeah, I'm going to do I want to do this again. Right. But yeah. we just have to convince you and your family that it's worth it. Well, and more my family than me. I think I've come to the conclusion that um, I want to do it again sometime. Um, my wife. I don't know, but uh, it's all timing. You know, it's all timing and family and and what what's going along in our lives personally, but, um, it's, it's too important and I, I care too much and it's corny to say, but care too much about the future and particularly with the kid, Kevin, uh, well, yeah, you, uh, you want to have a say in, in his future. So I'm starting to get off track. The point nope, is what, what you were talking about with, um, Tim and Pam and talking, I think it's healthy. Pam and I went all over the state, um, and we spoke to Democratic Central Committees, mm -hmm. and um, she got up and spoke. I got up and spoke. We had that forum here in Helena. We were also we also uh, also had a thing in in Billings. It wasn't as formal as the formal uh, as the forum in Helena. But the point is, the people come and see and get to size both of us up. Right. Um, and if you run for something, uh, you got to tell voters why you want to do why you want the job, um, and they need to be able to size you up. Right. And that's one of the things that Tim is not doing. It's very bizarre to me that they spent $580,000. Okay, he didn't. An outside uh, right. hack did. Spent $580,000 to try to convince Montanans that he's the best candidate. And he is to, and I'm going to say it, and he'll probably hate me, but, you know, whatever. It's politics. Get over it. Um, he's being a coward. Uh, he won't come on my show. He won't talk to Marnie Banks. He won't talk to John Adams. He won't talk to Dan Boyce. Um, these are the main, you know, not me. The others are major political writers for the state. They're how most people get their information on politicians. And he won't talk to them. He's, you know, and when I did, you know, I talked to him and uh, ran into him at Carroll College where he coaches and I do a bunch of work. And, you know, I asked him why you're not going to be on the show. He's like, well, the Internet doesn't matter. And uh, 
I don't know about anybody over the age of 40. Well, no, I know. I do know about him. I mean, my mom uses the internet constantly. My mom is constantly in contact with people all the time using the internet. It's the fastest way for her to make a difference. So for him to say the internet doesn't matter just astounds me. And then the other thing he was worried about was that I was going to attack him. Now, I realize that I look like a pit bull <laughs> and I'm a mean person in my normal life. <laughs> but I've worked really hard on this show to make this, a, you know, this is a space, space to talk about why you're in politics. Not necessarily, well, at least the first time you're on the show. Second time you're on the show, different story. We're going to talk about some policy. But right. um, the first time you're on the show is to find out why you're involved in politics. And to give you a chance to to not defend yourself, but to explain how it impacts you and what what impact you'd like to make back. And those are important things because I think on both sides of the issue, both sides of every issue, if you don't have the ability to have a conversation with the people on the other side, you lose the ability to move forward. You know, it's always going to be a tug of war on which direction we should go, left or right. But as long as we're moving forward, we'll be great. But as soon as, because only one side's pulling and the other side isn't doing anything or both sides are pulling and nothing's moving forward, then we lose. You know, it... it requires some communication it requires some flexibility that you can't have if you don't believe the other side are people there yeah there there are two things at play here i think um one is you have someone like myself and pam and and a lot of the other candidates um and former candidates (laughs) in my case but you want to reach as many people as possible you come on shows uh, like this you talk to uh, reporters um you do TV so that you can get as much exposure as possible, good or bad, because you want you want that exposure, you want that name recognition. So that's one thing. On the other hand, and this is where I think um, Mr. Fox is coming from, is uh, he ran in 2008. So there's cl- there's surely a, a leg up because you, he's had that exposure, although mo- more exposure, I think, is good. But I think the big uh, key here is that um, the polling shows that he's he's up um, and not just up by a little bit. And I think they've made I'm not working with the campaign. This is right. my total guess, Kevin. But I think they've made the calculation that, well, if we just we stay away from all these things, we have more name recognition um, that will win. Now, uh, we'll see if the strategy is right. But even if the strategy is right, in my opinion, we need to be honest with with voters, uh, and uh, it goes to your point that we um, this is a public office. It's an important public office, and the more that Montanans know about the people that they're voting for or not voting for, the better. Um, the more that you see how a candidate responds, even if they are attacked, the better. Well, especially um, if they are attacked, and especially in the AG's role, because that's his entire job is to defend the state of Montana. Well, okay, it's not the entire job. He does do some prosecution as well. Right. But the biggest role of the AG's office is when Montana is attacked, that's the first person who stands up. Right. He's got to be, he's, you know, for him to say that I'm not comfortable taking questions from you, little internet show, when he's going to have to stand in front of the Supreme Court and take questions from Scalia at some point, good luck. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I've seen that man. I've, I've just seen video of... I wouldn't want to do that. I probably could, but I don't know that the outcome would be great for Montana. Yeah. I'm not a lawyer. Right. Good luck. <laughs> but that's the the role that he's choosing to say that he is the best for. And I completely disagree simply because he's unwilling to talk to reporters. Right. You know, if you can't handle a question from a reporter, you're not going to be able to stand up for Montana in front of the Supreme Court. Yeah. You're just not. 
And I, 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 uh, the only thing I can say is, um, it, it's a, it's their political strategy and, um, does it make a right? Absolutely not. Well, it's um, a weird political strategy in Montana. Yeah. I just, the, the, if he were running for the United States Senate or governor, he wouldn't get away with it, clearly. Um, but when you start talking about these tier B races, attorney general, state auditor, and secretary of state, and superintendent of public instruction, the attorney general of those races, I think more people pay attention to that race than the others. Um, whether that's good, it, which it shouldn't be the case. They should all be given the same attention. But um, it's just, in this year particularly, Kevin, you have the Senate and the governor's race, which are critical, obviously, to Absolutely. our state's future. And people and resources, we're getting inundated in our house with uh, flyers and um, uh, people knocking on our door. And it's all about Steve Bullock and John Tester and Reberg and Rick Hill and uh, and there's nothing, we're not hearing anything. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I obviously am a political junkie, so I follow <laughs> along and you, you see stuff in the paper, but it's just being dwarfed by the U S Senate and the governor campaigns. Um, and so you have those of us who are frustrated because we want, um, the candidates, particularly in the tier B, the statewide tier B races to, um, to campaign hard. Um, and, well, we'd like uh, to know part that, of that is, is, is uh, um, facing the heat, so to speak, um, being under the spotlight, being in the fishbowl. When you file uh, to run for office, you know what you're getting into. Um, well, one and, would and hope. That's, yeah, and, and that's what's... At least the second time when you do it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I just, I just think that it's a... As I said, I, I disagree with it, but it's a political strategy... Um, uh, my guess is from the campaign that if we just stay out of this and don't get involved, the polling continues to look good. Uh, we ran in 2008. We have better name recognition, and we think that'll make us uh, attorney general. Um, for me, uh, if I were in that situation, I think there, again, there's a lot to be said about a candidate running for office, um, responding to people uh, who want to who talk to him. Right. Well, and how responsive is he going to be if he's elected, if he won't even talk to people now? We'll find out if he is elected. <sighs> know the man, like him as a person, don't want him as AG. It's sad. <laughs> um, so let's see. Let's talk about some of the other interesting things that have happened. We've had our campaign finance laws thrown to the wolves. Right. Um, how does that really affect these? Well, tier B races, especially statewide races, and then... Um, of course, none of this ever applied to any of the national offices, even if they were from Montana. So how does it really affect us going forward? I mean, what is it that you think will happen with, because we did get the stay from the ninth circuit that said, no, 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 you don't get to do that until after the election. We'll deal with it then. Um, but that there was a six day gap. And then I guess, well, yesterday it was announced. I don't know when it happened. Um, the GOP gave $500,000 to Rick Hill's campaign. So this is uh, all uh, based on the U.S. Supreme Court decision in Citizens United. And you have our and Judge Lovell, who tossed out our limits, tossed out the Corrupt uh, uh, Practices, Practices Act. Um, and he was he was saying, I, it's not because I, I want to do it, but my hands are tied based on what the U.S. Supreme Court decision was in Citizens United. And this is something that... I talked about in the primary, uh, and I know it was continuing to be uh, talked about. And um, 
And I don't know if it's being talked about enough or that people are really understanding how significant that 5-4 decision was in Citizens United. Um, because in your question, what's, what's going to happen on a going forward basis? You saw what happened in that six-day period, and we'll find out, uh, well, I think part of the $500,000 that the GOP gave to uh, Rick Hill was because it was during that window. That would be my guess. Um, One would hope, but if it didn't arrive, it's a legal act. It was limited, and I don't know what the limit is. It certainly is. It's I think it's less than $25,000 that parties can give to candidates. I, I may be mistaken, but there, there was a limit. But what it does for candidates, and which is bad for our democracy, is our candidates, people running for office, instead of going to individual people. It's the worst part of running for office, but it's really what's great about um, our election process, is candidates going to people. I come to Kevin and say, Kevin, will you support me? Will you contribute some money? Jesse, I can only afford $25. Whatever you can afford, uh, it, whatever is meaningful to you, up to in in the AG's race, three hundred and ten dollars. Mm-hmm. So that was it. With Citizens United and with the limits being gone, if the Ninth Circuit and ultimately the Supreme Court agree with the federal district court that tossed out the limits, you know what it's going to mean. It means it's you only have mean to go to one rich guy. That I'm going to people with a lot of money, and you're going to have people who um, they're going to be who, bought and paid for. Who, absolutely, who you know you had, and I go back to. My uh, what you know what I think is the greatest uh, town on the face of the earth in Anaconda, um, <laughs> but the Anaconda nice Copper town. Mining Company, and what they, I mean, the reason that Corrupt Act uh, Practices Act was in place, partly was because of the corruption that was taking place, and um, the Anaconda Copper Mining Company was uh, right in the, the front of it, right, <laughs> and and. Um, and that's not right. It's not a way to to uh, run a state. You want people in offices who are in it for the right reasons. Look, I I said when in the Republican presidential primary, um, you had the you know of course you had the super PACs which were really big, but you had one individual who was supporting Newt Gingrich who was giving millions and millions of dollars at uh, Adelson or I don't know how you pronounce his last name the mm-hmm. the Las Vegas casino mogul. Uh, mogul. And that is just fundamentally um, what's wrong with the Citizens United decision, where you have one person and candidates going to those people. And guess what? Newt Gingrich was uh, advocating for the exact same policies. And and Adelson, I think his uh, important uh, topic was Israel. But sure enough, everything that Newt said was consistent with what Adelson wanted. Could it have been a coincidence? Yeah. But... Um, well, and, you, and and to be fair, there there is the chance that the reason that Adelson was supporting him was because he already knew Newt. That's right. That's right. Absolutely stuff. right. And that's fine. That's right. But the other part of it is, is you can't have that going into our presidency. There can't be that. You, you cannot have the appearance that the presidency was bought and paid for. Let me say this. Any more than you could have the appearance that the Supreme Court was bought and right, paid for. And right. it does look like our Supreme Court was bought and paid for. I don't know if you're listening, Scalia, but it looks bad. <laughs> so... Again, I'm going to do really well. In I mean, them. <laughs> even even as it is, Kevin, with the with the limits. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you talk about uh, an AG race. It's three ten in the primary and three ten in the general. So you're talking six hundred twenty dollars total. It's a lot of money to people in Montana, right? Um, in a governor's race, it's I think six thirty in each. So it's a what a thousand twelve hundred and sixty. Um, a lot of money. 
the Senate race. I don't know, what is it, 2,500. So when you talk about all these races and people contributing... No, we people, don't have any limits on the Senate race because there's no national limits anymore. We can't limit that. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> geez, I thought there was a limit. But anyway, no, that's it's why, still that's why they get a lot of money. dollars from random lobbyists. The point that I'm making is that as it was with the limits, you were still having to go to people with resources, right? I mean, you when right. people contributed a lot of money to me, if they can they contributed 620 and I if I won the primary, I could keep 310 for the general and you account for that, you report it to the commissioner of political practices. So you're still reaching people who have the resources to contribute. So right now, I would argue, Kevin, it's still it's still a you know, a um I don't want to say select few, but a small group of people who are contributing to campaigns. Well, yeah, and, and with this, who, who care it's going to be involved in with the new there. campaign finance um, reforms. Uh, you'll still have those people involved, but really, you're going to have the the very the people at the top. Um, the candidates are going to be going to to say we we need the money now. Um, and this, the AG race is an example where there's over a half a million dollars. That came from out of state. Right. Uh, and to be clear, there wasn't a half a million that went into the race. There was a half a million that was that's right. in by a pack in that's support right. of that's right. a candidate. That's so right. Theoretically, there was no communication between the pack and the candidate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, your keywords theoretically, and, and I'm sure there wasn't, but it has a profound, well, I, sh- I won't speculate. It has a profound Im- impact on the race. A well, profound one. It, it should and, have. And I didn't see a lot of ads. That was the other thing. I know when the ad buy happened, and I just didn't see a ton of ads that time. So I don't know what happened. It's um, it's just frustrating because uh, you you have that kind of buy, and um, you who do you go to uh, to come to get the half million bucks of grant? As you're, you're right, it went to PACs. They went to companies. We saw who the companies were who contributed money to to that cause, um, and and you're in turn trying to uh, go do that on the Democratic side, but that's hard. That's hard. It, well, and it's it's hard all over the place. I mean, one of the things about campaign limits that, that makes me crazy is that the reason they were put in place is to give everybody's voice an equal chance. You know, not everybody can donate 610 right. to the AG's race or 620, whatever it is. I certainly couldn't. Right. And I, if I had the money, I would. But to think about the fact that the money that I was able to donate basically means nothing because somebody from out of state was able to bring in $580,000. So we... I, means I, that my voice is all of a sudden silenced yeah. because it can't be heard in the crowd because their money is obviously more powerful than mine. What I would say is, again, it goes back to the candidate. Um, for me... Some of the most meaningful contributions were ten dollars or twenty dollars. Law students mm-hmm. in significant debt. I had one guy come up to me at a fundraiser in Missoula and say, "I'm giving you twenty-five dollars, and I have no money. I'm in debt, and if I can give you twenty-five dollars, other people can give you money too." Now, whether that's I mean, the point is that you have people with limited resources who who thought right. that. This is a cause that I want to invest in. And if I, I, I go back to how I started, that if you have the right candidate who is in it for the right reasons, who needs the money, you're going to need to court those people who have the money. There's no question. But the reason you're courting those people is to get your message out, that your beliefs are the same, that you're saying the same thing to Kevin Ham as you are to uh, Donald Trump. Um, 
that my hair looks much better. <laughs> you are. You're right. You're right about that. Although I wish I had more hair myself, yours and Donald's for that matter. But his actually comes it, from behind his ears and it comes forward. But it, it goes back to the 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 candidate being in it for the right reasons, and that we that's and those are the kind of people we need to elect. That uh, it's it's going to be really sad if people and, and people to an extent criticize me during the primary because I was getting con- contributions from what people thought were were Republicans. Um, and for me, I told people, and I continue to believe that you can't be picky when you're raising money. And it's a sad state of affairs if people think that someone giving me fifty dollars is going to buy my by how I'm going to be in the attorney general's office. Well, now, again, it goes back to the candidate, Kevin. There are some people who I think when you're talking about a lot of money, it goes to your point, right. are going to be bought and paid Christian. for. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have those other candidates who are getting contributions from wealthy individuals and people who don't have the means to give a lot of money, but nonetheless contribute uh, in a meaningful way. Um, and it, should ha- it shouldn't have any impact on the candidate's beliefs and what they think is best for the state. Right. Well, and yeah, I had a question. It just went out of my head. <laughs> um, the whole thing about, you know, getting money and, and raising money. I, I'm just astounded that anybody would question who you got it from. That seems so weird to me because you'd be surprised. You raised money from Montanans, right? Right. You were I, traveling all over Montana, right. right? And I don't care if you have an R or a P or a Q or an LGBT or whatever after your name. You're still a Montanan. Right. And ugh, that just makes me crazy. And it also makes me kind of crazy because we have this hyper-partisanship that ruined our last session that doesn't seem to have gone down enough. Right. And 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 like I mentioned earlier, could rear its ugly head again. <laughs> it's, it's what's wrong with, um, I think, politics today. And I and and it's not just today. It's been building up. I I hope it gets better. I'm not. Um, as I said, I'm an optimist, but I don't know if it's realistic that it will get better. But where you have, um, in, for example, in the, the presidential race, you have two years into the president's term, the Republican leader in the Senate say our number one priority is to make the president a one-term president. It's no way to govern a country. The days of Republicans and Democrats working together, even in the small scale for me in the Montana legislature, where... When I started, there we we went out to dinner. We were social with with Republicans, um, disagreed on many issues, but got along fine. Kevin. Yeah, there used to be um, during the session. Jorgensen's was still pretty popular yeah. with both sides, but there was definitely a divide. And now it's moved to where you can't. Even, it's not that you disagree on policy. It's that you can't you're a talk. bad person. <laughs> And it's sad. Oh and and of course, when personally you can't get along, that has a devastating impact on the quality of your policy discussions and the willingness of people to come together and say, here's what we should do. What's best for Montana. I've, I am absolutely convinced that the legislative process, the, the, uh, foundation of the legislative process is compromise. It's set up that way that you have two chambers, you know, when it's bicameral, uh, two chambers, you, you have 50 people and a hundred people in the house and you're, you work through this process. You need to get support from the other side to move things uh, through. And it creates, I think at the end of the day, when it gets to the governor's desk, um, 
a reasonable piece of legislation for the most part. Are there examples where there's a difference of philosophy and you need to move a policy through? Absolutely. But I think when it comes to big issues, compromise is the is is an asset in in these days compromise is a bad word and you see it in campaigns all over the country um, where they uh, the candidates are saying I will go there you, you see it when you have conservative Republicans who are being challenged by people who are even more conservative than them and the criticism is well they compromised on whatever the piece of legislation was throw them out I won't compromise and they're getting elected so it's not just the candidates it's it's well, ultimately it's, the electorate. Yeah, it's the electorate that's the problem. And well, <laughs> my my favorite line to some of the Tea Partiers who were arguing with me at one point um, during the vigilante parade, I got to use it again. Actually, <laughs> um, you know, he was just yelling at me because I'm wrong on many many issues and I just don't understand what's going on. And I just turned to him and said, "You know, I'm terribly sorry that our education system failed you so miserably." But it seems to have failed a lot of people because they have this this thought that it has to be my way or the highway because I am right. I know what I'm talking about. Never mind that they couldn't string together a sentence in most cases to save their lives. And this isn't just on the right. It's not just the Tea Party. I look at what happens with some of the environmentalists with and and animal rights groups. And you know, I'm <laughs> I'm liberal, but I'm not that liberal. And sometimes some of the stuff that they come out with, I'm like, it's just unsustainable. You can't mm-hmm. do it. And, you know, it doesn't make any sense to do it in the first place, but you certainly couldn't keep it going for any length of time. Why would you do that to our society? Why would you do that to the planet? You know, and it's like, eh. you know, so there's crazy all over the place, but mm-hmm. we seem to be listening to the crazy a lot. That's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And you get it. You know how you get it? It starts in the primaries, and that this is not a in any way a, uh, about the my particular primary, but primaries in general, where you have the what I would say the extreme, and it's not everyone I'm generalizing, but you certainly in a primary election you have the extreme folks on both sides, mm-hmm. um, and they're loud and they're motivated and um, uh, active, and uh, you get nominees who are supported by those people um, that don't um, resonate with the general electorate. I, um, and on both sides, Kevin, and, and, uh, and that's what's frustrating because I think you have more people who pay attention. I, I know it. More people pay attention in the general election than they do in the primary election. Right. Um, and, and we have and, an odd system for our primaries, yeah. too. So I... Um, the system is it's the best system, but um, there are certainly flaws uh, in the and to their credit, though, I mean, they they feel strongly on both sides, on the on the far left and the far right. Um, and they do a good job of um, getting their message out. They're involved in um, they like people, people to feel strongly in the center. <laughs> I know. I agree. Um, but then but the problem with that is. You have people in the center who are so frustrated with with the process because they think it's so po- polarized. You know, I uh, I have a cousin in in Belgrade who, um, well, what does what does government do for me? Nothing. All you guys do is fight, and so they they don't vote. So they check out of the system. Totally check. Well, out. and see, that's not going to fix the system. I I kind of understand that sentiment, and I did that myself for a while. I I, I will admit, full full on, there were several years when I didn't vote. Um, 
But having checked out of the system and seeing what happens when you aren't involved leads me to believe that eh, it's better if we're all involved. Um, even the crazies. And the best part about the crazies is that if you get them to talk, they'll eventually prove they're crazy and most people catch on. So, uh, you know, eh, you, there's good and bad involved in that. So we've got... 18 days left? Is that right? I don't know. It's, oh, you have put, you've put it out I, of your I, I haven't counted. Yeah, it's one, thing, it's one thing I don't have to worry about. Now, have you voted yet? I have. Okay, so you're, and you're still getting targeted mailings. That's weird. Yeah, although I voted, um, <laughs> we sent ours, let's see, today is Thursday. Thursday. Mm-hmm. So we sent ours the beginning of the week. So, oh, okay. so I, I, there's a little bit of a lag time, yeah. right? Um, I'm actually going to go vote a little bit after the show because I'm so tired. I've got yesterday my mailbox was just absolutely packed. You and me both. I said this like, to my wife. I'm like, I can't believe this. I can't believe I, the amount of money they're wasting I, on flyers that aren't designed well. That's yeah, the other thing that yeah. kills me. I'm like, you know what? If you just sent me a, a postcard that just had your name on it and you know paid for by and da da da, and on the back it said, "I thank you for your vote," you're much more likely to get my vote if it was designed well. If you send out these, fly- oh, I got this one piece, and, and it's like it's like 32 inches by 75 yeah. oh, inches. Yeah. It's a poster. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to hang it up like it's a rock poster right. or something. It's going to be in my bedroom. I'm going to grow my hair out. And I'm like, what is this? Who is spending this kind of money? And, and working in graphic design and in media production, I've made those before. I know the amount of time that goes into putting those together and making sure that all the spelling is correct Absolutely. and the grammar is correct. And it's just an insane amount of work. And I know nobody is reading them. No one. We, uh, are but as I've said, where I mean, we I follow along. I like watching it, and I get it. And my wife, who is a good, she's your your average voter. She pays attention, but she's not immersed in it mm-hmm. like I uh, tend to immerse myself in it. And she will not. She's you're right. She she chucks them in the gar- garbage. She only saves them so I can look at them. But even me, I'm totally. It it just gets old every single day, uh, and they're all negative. And we've gotten, of all the pieces of literature, we've gotten one positive one. See, and I think it'd be easy to win. I, I honestly think it would be easy to win if you just, every time you sent out a four by six postcard, and all it had was your name and your picture and your yeah. party, and on the back it said something nice. You know, like, hey, you're an awesome person. Thanks for voting. Right. Please vote for me, right. but thanks for voting. Thanks right. for being involved in the process. Right. And that's it. It didn't have any other message on it. It had a link to your website where you can put as much text right. as you want. Right. But that's it. And you send those about four times, and I bet you'd win. Yeah. I bet you would. Because everybody would be like, I don't know who he is, but he's not bugging me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> It's the the negative stuff works, and that's the other problem. People they do it because it's um, effective. But I think there's coming a time where you're right. I mean, if you had a candidate who is, uh, and the other part of it is you can't control what outside groups do. I mean, right. that's the other. And it's attributed to you uh, as a candidate. But um, I think it'd be remarkably refreshing if the candidate just said. Here's where I stand. Here's where I want to take the state. Here's how I vote. Um, right. I think I think it'll be interesting. I think the, I think the backlash is coming, and I, Montanans will do it first. Montanans did it first in 1912 when we passed the corrupt. Is that right? Corrupt yeah. Process, corrupt. Yeah. 1912 Praxis Act. Yeah. <sighs> Again, my history. It was 20 years ago. I was in high school. People, leave me alone. <laughs> 
21 years ago, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. So there was, you know, we did it first then and we've, we've had campaign limits the entire time. And, and, um, I think the backlash is coming. Montanans do not like being bought and sold. Right. Um, we have a, an intense adverse reaction to that and seeing all of this outside money come in. I think people, it'll register in their heads that somebody, you know, was trying to buy them. And they'll react. You know, it doesn't matter what they're pulling is now because they're going to get to the voting booth and go, no, this is the dick who tried to sell us. And they're going to vote for the other person. Yeah. And I think that that's coming. I th- it, it may not be this election. It may not happen this election. But I think that it's going to come soon. And if it doesn't happen this election, it'll definitely happen the next one. Because we'll see so much money coming in. Because I don't see Citizens United getting overturned. And I certainly no. don't see a constitutional amendment passing in a year. Um. But what I do see is that there will be uh, you know, the voters at some point will want to take their their role back, and Mon- I I wouldn't be surprised in the least if it's Montana that does it first that stands up and says no we're not going to deal with this you can spend as much money as you want but when we find out you spent too much money in our race we're going to vote against you. I hope you're right. You know because your money can't buy us. Yeah. So that's you know kind of where I think it is. You should run for office. <laughs> I may at some point. That's my threat to everybody is that I'll run to office <laughs> run for office at some point. I think it'll be funny because, you know, I've, I look at my life. You know, I had a joke um, on Twitter a while back, which was, you know, I, I think I want to run for office because I want somebody to reassemble what I did in my 20s and 30s, uh, late 20s, early 30s. It's a bit of a blur. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, the truth of the matter is I actually know what's there and I know kind of what would have, you know, the things that I'd have to stand up and say and explain, because you do have to explain yourself when you're running for office. And, you know, unlike you who stepped into politics right after high school and have uh, kept your nose clean, I went out all over the United States and I really didn't. So <laughs> it'd be one of those interesting things. But that being said, I've also lived my life and I've done things that a lot of people haven't done. I've lived all over this country. I've lived on the East Coast. I've lived in the South. I've lived on the West Coast. I've lived in major metropolitan areas. I lived in Caribou, Maine for three wow. years. You know, so I, I get the dichotomy of what our nation is like. You know, I know about the rural parts of the state, of the country. I lived in Montana, um, but I grew up in Helena, so I know what the political side is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, living in Caribou, Maine, it's, there's no politics there. There's potatoes. Interesting. <laughs> you know, it's a town of 8,000. It's, and it's, it's a different world, but mm-hmm. it's still part of our country. And, um, you know, and then I lived in Houston, Texas and Phoenix, Arizona and Portland, Oregon. So major metropolitan areas, you know, Portland with massive, amazing public transportation, Houston, that doesn't even have a bus system. You know, they're, they're tied to the car. It's an oil, it's Mm -hmm. an oil town. I mean, Mm -hmm. it really is. And, you know, all of these different places and you get an, an idea of what America is really like. And there are a lot of really good things about America. And if it would stand up and show off those things, I think we'd be better off. Instead, we, we kind of hunker down and bicker, which is sad. So, well, I, that diverse, um, experience, I think is an asset for a candidate. Really? You're t- I mean, here you have someone who's been in Montana's entire life. Um, won't leave Montana, loves Montana. Um, and, Part of me uh, wishes that I would have had that experience that that you have. I think, in fact, uh, I remember Max Bacchus saying he traveled. I think he traveled the world uh, after he was out of college, maybe or out of high school. I don't no, remember. he's related to the Siebens. But, I got a bit uh, of money. <laughs> yeah, he, and there's just a lot to be said about that. And um, definitely, I think it's a an asset for not even uh, just you as a person, but as a candidate. Um, 
So again, back to my uh, urging, <laughs> seriously consider it. Well, thank you. I, I do consider it. But one of the things that I think, you know, okay, back up a little bit to my personal story, which is kind of weird. Um, when I was growing up here in Helena, I was part of the Helena Boy Choir. And that was when uh, Montana and Kyoto were sister states. Mm -hmm. And I guess we still kind of have the program, but we really haven't done a lot with it lately. Um, that was an amazing thing because the choir actually got to go to Japan. And so there were 30 boys ages 8 to 12, basically, mm -hmm. and some of their parents. And we all got to go over to not just a foreign country, but a, a country that has no shared history beyond what we know of them, you know, when we, you know World War II and a couple other things. But their entire history is completely separate from Western history, Western culture. And to go over there and, and for, I think it was 10 or 12 days. It was, it was a long trip for, for an eight year old. Oh, yeah. I'm like, Oh, this is taking forever. Um, or I was 11, I guess, but it was, it was an amazing trip and it was an amazing time. Um, by day 10, I did want McDonald's though. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, and uh, it was an amazing time to see a, a different culture. And, you know, in the eighties, everybody was talking about Japan owes everything and they're buying up on all of America and Hawaii and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so there was this, the xenophobia was definitely in place. But when we got over there, you find out that, yeah, they speak a different language and they look different than us, but they're still human and they're still people and they're still awesome. And it was very, very cool. And we don't have programs like that anymore. And we need to get those back because they make a big difference in how I think everything that we do, happens you know because if you have this and and this isn't a dig at you if you've you know you've never, you've never lived anywhere else i'm assuming you've traveled other yeah, places but yeah. um if you haven't been outside of the state if you've if you've been insulated and you and you sit inside of the echo chamber of montana is all i need and montana is the best and we do everything right and you believe that you're very dangerous because you don't let the experiences of the people that don't live in Montana right. give you some influence when you come up upon a situation that you've never dealt with before. Right. And without that, without that shared common history that we have, you lose so much and you're, you're bound to make a bad decision. Right. So it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of things that our educational system does well. I don't think that, you know, our ability to reach the other side of the planet has gotten less. Certainly. I mean, we can we can conference call and teach across the planet mm -hmm. uh, with the Internet now. So right. I don't understand why it's gone down, but it needs to come back up. Um, we can learn from one another, regardless of where people uh, live. I completely agree with you. I've had the good fortune of traveling, but not living in places. Um, we, I went to Switzerland for a conference, um, and met some extraordinary people. Uh, they sent young Americans and there were young Swiss. Um, and we learned about each other, this, about each other, about our governments. And, um, I just think that mentality that, uh, we isolate ourselves, whether it's Montana or our country. Um, and you use the word as dangerous is, is very dangerous. Um, and, and sad beginning because we're increasingly, uh, globalized. And, but even more than that, we're all human beings, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I don't mean to be, uh, philosophical here, but no, that's not philosophy. That's pretty much science. Air, you know, <laughs> right, right. But, um, I mean, it's, there's some people who would accuse me of being inhuman, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, uh, I don't know. There's just a lot to be said, uh, about, uh, us learning about, uh, learning from others, learning about others. Um, 
and bringing those experiences back, whether you're working in the private sector or working in the public sector, it'll make it, it'll make things better. I'm absolutely convinced. Right. So, um, <laughs> thank you very much for coming on the show again. I appreciate the it, invitation. It was, uh, an honor to have you the first time. I know you were very busy with the campaign and it's great to have you back. Yeah. Um, appreciate it. what's next for you politically? Do you know? I don't. Um, I know. Well, no, wait a minute. Are, are you in a classified position? I'm or? an exempt position. So okay. if, if Monica's not reelected, then I will be unemployed uh-huh. in January. Um, I, I Somehow had, I think you'll find something. Well, <laughs> I hope. I, I, uh, I love the work. Um, after I lost in June, I had some opportunities to do different things. Um, and Jill, my wife, was always quick to say, don't make decisions while you're grieving, which was really good advice. Um, and uh, Monica was extraordinary in letting me run for office, being flexible with my schedule, and then just being there as a... Um, as a supporter after I lost, you know, mm-hmm. cause she is obviously she'd lost a statewide campaign in 2006 when she ran for Congress. And, um, it's been a good, uh, rock. Um, so I feel this one thing about a primary particularly is you just feel this. I'm a, if you talk to people who worked with me there, I'm really big on loyalty, right. And mm-hmm. almost to a fault I mean, loyal, loyal, loyal. And the person who ran our campaign, who you met, um, Bob, uh, you know, we have our, he always jokes about, <laughs> you know, when you run, you have people say you have this circle of people uh, who help you. And for me, it wasn't a circle. It was a line because I was, uh, I'm, you know, wanted the loyalty to be, uh, you know, a two-way street. And um, there was a, I don't know, wanting to keep it as tight as possible. My mm-hmm. wife and essentially the campaign manager, you know, which is no way to, it can't be so paranoid. And, um, so that was a good lesson for me, but, um, but you just have this, um, I don't know, unconditional commitment to people who you think stuck their necks out for you because in a primary primary people do, you have a lot of people say I'm staying out because it's a primary. And, uh, and then you have a lot of people say, I'm going to support both of you or, or you have a lot of people say I'm, I'm in for you. It's going to mm-hmm. hurt me if you lose, but I'm in. So uh, there's a bunch of different dynamics, but um, I don't know what's next. I uh, I love the work for Monica. It's, uh, if I kept doing that, it would be great. Um, if there are other challenges that come up uh, in the near future, then I will, you know, obviously seriously consider them. And but ultimately, I want to be in Montana. Um, I. Uh, I like Helena, my wife and I like Helena Cooper starting up, as I said, he's in preschool and we'll start school. And so, um, I don't know. I, uh, change is good sometimes, but also stability is good as well for a family particularly. And then politically, you just see what happens. I mean, it's all about timing, um, and, uh, opportunities. I've said many times that even if, if I had known a year ago that I was going to lose the primary, I still would have done it um, because it was a rewarding experience. Um, and there's a lot to be said about going through that process once and giving it a shot again. I mean, well, you, and you, you really, it is daunting. You, I ran, people said, oh, you ran for the legislature. So, you know, no, not, not the case. <laughs> it's a totally different uh, animal and, um, and really, really hard. And I think just getting over that feeling, that initial feeling like, holy cow, I'm a statewide, I'm running a statewide race. Um, 
is uh, well, and, and is important. And so I think going through that process and then and then getting that exposure, I think we ran a good campaign. And, and the other thing is, it was amazing. It's humbling in, in two ways. One, people who don't support you, but also people who do <laughs> yes, support they you. Be humbling. Yeah. Um, and so. Um, and that our supporters were amazing and have been very kind in their words of encouragement afterwards. And, and at the end of the day, Kevin, as I alluded to earlier, I enjoy it too much. Um, and I'm just not the kind of person after I lost, somebody emailed me and said, guys from Anaconda don't get knocked down and stay down. They get back up and say, is that all you, is that all you've got? Uh, and you, and you try it again. And I'm not a quitter and, uh, it, this has certainly been a character character building. Well, experience. and you've also got the monkey off your back. You've lost a race. Eh, yeah, happens. Right, that's right. And well, somebody said if you talk to a trial lawyer, the analogy was you talk to a trial lawyer, and they've told you that they've never lost a trial. They haven't tried too many cases. Right. Um, and I, whether that it's fair analogy or not, it I, it makes sense to me. I think it is fair, and um, it's not always I, going to go your way. But no. you learn more. And well, here's the thing: what is it? It's the saying is. Uh, Experience comes from good decisions. Good decisions come from, uh, or good decisions come from experience, and experience comes from bad decisions. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I, I. Somebody told me that. Some, I mean, you look at people who've run for statewide offices and people who've lost their first time. It's pretty amazing. I didn't realize. Um, just the you know long time on both sides, politicians mm-hmm. who lost their first race, even in in recent history. Um, but somebody told me that one one person who is who is still a popular Montana politician uh, said that uh, he learned more from his losses than his wins, um, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, I uh, well, it was hard, sports. Kevin. It was really I, I it was that though. And as we've got, gotten further away from it, it's become better. But I'll tell you, those first couple of months in June, July, August, it, it was hard uh, because you you go 110 miles an hour for a year. And really, it's before that. I, would, I mean, it's not entirely the same, but being in the Senate and mm-hmm. and having those in the House and being sort of in the public eye, although people don't care about their legislator, but you just you're it's different, you know, um, but going 110 miles an hour during a statewide campaign and then here comes the election and just like that it Turns stops off. and it's a hard adjustment you know though your whole life and um i don't know it was like i said it's it's humbling in both instances and i i will i people are gonna laugh when they hear me say this again but um i'm a big fan of pretty woman i don't know if i talked about i probably didn't with you <laughs> last time but i watched the, movie? the show pretty woman I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, I show my age. <laughs> really, I love Julia Roberts and Richard Gere, but um, I spoke to a, uh, a high school graduating class days before the primary election, and one of the uh, uh, student speakers got up before I spoke and said, "I've since commencement speeches are, are speeches are always the same. I'm not going to say anything. Good luck." And sat down. People loved it. Right. So I get up there and said, I bet this one, I guarantee you my speech will be different. And I talked about Pretty Woman and it was, I showed my age, which is kind of funny because people think I'm too young. And these here, you have 18 year olds who had, none of whom had seen Pretty Woman. Some did because I asked for a raise of hands. 
but I talked about prostitutes, you know, and, and said, I guarantee you there's no one in the country who talked about prostitutes in, in their uh, commencement speech. But, but I don't know I what say school this, you were graduating from, right, people. Exactly, right. <laughs> but I say this because there's a scene in that movie where um, Julie Roberts, they're falling in love. I don't know if you remember. They're falling mm-hmm. in love, and they say, and I'm sure I'm taking away too much of your time. Oh, no, you're fine. They're falling in love, and, the, and uh, uh, Richard Gere says to her, Julia Roberts, I think you're a very bright, beautiful woman. To which she says, uh, the negative stuff is easier to believe. And that has always struck me um, and resonated with me. And particularly after the loss, Kevin, I seized on the negative stuff. Um, I believed it. I'm inherently a self-doubter. And you... And I still do it, and my wife hates it, but call my, I call myself a loser. You know, all this, it's easy to get negative, and, um, and it's easy to forget about the amazing things that people did for me, said to me, um, people who stuck their necks out. And I think now I'm getting to that point where you realize it, and you realize uh, what's important. You only live once, and, and for me, if I hadn't run, I would have regretted it. And I think if I don't run again... This is a long way of answering your question uh, that I'd regret it. Well, I, I, I look so, forward to your next campaign. I appreciate I it. I, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I look at the, the races and I've handicapped most of them on other shows. So I kind of, and I don't think anything's really changed in the last couple of months. I think we're really going to be down to the wire on some of them. And the, yeah. the AG's race, while the polls are saying that it's higher, I know how those polls are calculated. Right. And I don't buy it because right. they're not touching a lot of the electorate. That's right. And, yeah. um, there's just, you know, it it's still up in the air. The That's votes right. will be counted and the things will happen and we'll figure it out and we'll go forward. The other thing is we are Montanans. On, right. on some level, you can't destroy us. We will stand up and fight back. And right. so, it, you know, no matter how bad it gets, we'll get better eventually. Right. So, right. yeah, at the end, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Polls don't decide elections. And, um Voters people do. do, and I uh, and that's a great thing. And I think candidates who uh, consume themselves with uh, polling are making a big big mistake. And not just candidates, but people who get into office, particularly at the higher levels, who are basing their decisions on, on the what they're saying. Exactly, yeah. you know, be yeah. have have a spine, um, stand up for your beliefs, stand up for what you think is best for Montana. Um, for me, um, as running again, I've said, you know, you. I'll study and be ready, and perhaps my time will come. Cool. Well, thank you for joining us again. I appreciate it, Kevin. Everyone, have a great week.